0: So, Andrew, welcome to the Hustling with Houses podcast. Absolute pleasure to have you on. How are things with you? Going well, thanks.
1: Thanks for uh, inviting me,
0: Callum. No problem. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've watched your content for a little while now, and it's it's very educational. And uh, it. it's quite it's quite different to what other some pe- what other people post, and I find it really beneficial. It's really it's really helped me. I, I'm just starting to learn about HMOS, really, compared to. You sort of sing. I've always done single lets, like I mentioned before. So HMOs is a new sort of thing to me. I know how it works. I know the bits and pieces, but your content's very, very educational, and it's got really, really good tips in there. How long have you been been doing sort of HMOs, Andrew?
1: Uh, since 2018. So I've uh, got quite a lot of investors on board. They're mostly internationals, and um, that's kind of the reason why I've done a lot of HMOs is because. As internationals, they need the higher yields to compensate for interest rates quite often. So yeah, I've done uh, quite a number of HMOs and all sizes, you know, minimos and uh, up and above. So yeah, it's uh, learned a lot along the way. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, as as you've seen in my um, content as well, I also talk about different councils all the time because every single council has their own set of rules. So that's what you've really got to watch out for um, and look at their local regulations because it might be different to the national so that's where you can get caught out quite often um, but as long as you get them on board most of the time you're you're okay
0: most definitely and what what are your thoughts because i've looked into this a couple of times i'm i'm planning to buy two hmos this year but a couple of deals have come up where um i don't think they work as a as a hmo however they probably work as a mini what are your thoughts on the mini the mini hmos so, there's pros and cons to it. So, mini mo's. It's just because
1: there's less numbers or less rooms, the voids hurt more. So, if you've got one or two rooms, uh, then pretty much you could be break even or even paying in every month. So, it can be on the wire, but you can strike it lucky as well. It also depends on the area that it's in, the location, and if you've targeted professionals and it's in a yeah fantastic area and loads of transport links you might have a downturn, uh, like a quick, you know, a turnaround, I mean, times will be minimal and, um, or turnaround, you know, any turnarounds or, um, yeah, tenants moving in and out might be minimal. And also, yeah, if you do have voids, it's probably, they'll be filled pretty quickly. So they can work in the right area, but yeah, as I said, just factor in if there's any, uh, voids, it can hurt more so than your five and your six feds. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I say, I know you're you're quite the expert in, 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 in the HMO world. I I had um I do a lot of direct to vendor campaigns. Okay. And um I did one and I got this big property. And I kind of was toying with the it, it probably only would have worked as a HMO, but it was it was massive. It was it was free flats. Um and there was probably eight or nine bedrooms in there if I'd done it as a HMO, but I didn't have the education and I was sc- I was scared to do an eight-bed HMO if I'm being totally honest because I've only done single lets. I'm going to get into the 6 bed, but seven, eight, nine beds is a bit scary for me. What what are your thoughts on someone getting into the to the game, the HMO game? They've done a couple of single lets. Where do you think the best starting point is?
1: Uh, I would say the five and the six beds. So with uh, you know, obviously when you're going into seven and eight, you need the planning permission, and then that's risky again because you might you know if it's a lot of planning takes months so you might have to purchase the property and then take that risk you know to then plan afterwards or get planning afterwards and if it's refused then you know you, you could be stuck with a, a five or a six so I mean it also depends if you've got a um a lease you know um option lease in place I mean that could that could be in your benefit if you want to get planning uh you know it's based on planning permission but yeah, most vendors aren't willing to wait around for that, are they? So yeah. <laughs> starting Ooh. point, I'd probably go for the five and the six because then again you've got the, the great uh income from five or six rooms. And then if you do have a couple of voids, it's not so painful, it's not going to hit the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they are quite a nice uh they do cash flow nicely, the five and the six beds. Yeah. And you've got a lot more to play around with in those kind of if you can fit, you know, the five and the six beds. Um you know obviously it depends on the property but you if you plan it and, and do your layout correctly it's uh really attractive to a lot of um tenants you know your setup I would always say like on the the ratio when it comes to bathrooms versus bedrooms it's four to one can work you know that's okay but that's really max uh three to ones better and then uh you know if you can do the rest on so, uh, A lot of the six beds that I've done is three en suites and three share in one uh, main bathroom. Um, And then, yeah, I've done some uh, quite a number of all all en suites, six bed all en suite, and they're just perfect, absolutely brilliant. Uh, And again, I mean, it depends. uh, You know, I do talk about um, the, the room sizes. You've got to be careful with that, again, with local authorities. Some have different en sizes. So they have minimum en sizes, which is, yeah, it sounds a bit crazy, but that's what it is. So they've got a minimum drying space when you step out of the shower. Yeah. It's crazy. And then uh, minimum uh, sink sizes and so forth. So that when you factor in like the minimum en size, then you've got to make sure the rest of the room obviously is more than the 6.52 minimum. But if you're lucky enough and you get it over the 10.5, um, you know, a 10.51, then you don't have to give, um, you know, the, the uh, lounge room and, and sort of community. Communal areas can be less. Yeah. Which what, is good,
0: So touching back on, on obviously going for planning and stuff like that, and I know you're not obviously a planning consultant, but what would be some of the ways, like, to reduce risk when it comes to your eight beds and, and nine beds? Because I know some people develop them anyway in the hope to get planning. Is that is that something that you would do or...?
1: I know mean, we usually bring on uh, architects then uh, to help with that, and they, yeah, usually do it from you know planning out all the bedrooms and so forth, through to uh, submitting planning and 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 that kind of stuff. And they're obviously they're well aware of the latest regulations because they it's always changing in that in that factor. You know when it's six and seven beds, uh, sorry, seven and eight and above, uh, they're always changing some tweaking things, and and they know kind of what's gonna get past and what's not because when you go into that size you're talking about distances from kitchens and multiple kitchens uh also escape routes become different like also on the loft conversions uh certain old buildings won't they just won't be accepted because it's fire escapes at the at the end of the day and so forth so yeah there's a lot to factor in
0: yeah, um, yeah. On, on your sort of again on your sui generous your 89s your, your bigger your bigger hmos obviously um an architect is vital what about on your 5 to 6 beds what do you think on that do you think you can get away without using them do you think you should do you think you shouldn't
1: <laughs> so actually every single one we've not had an architect so it's quite wow. easy yeah it's uh, just myself gone in and uh, I've you know because I've done so many I can just Automatically see where you know you can move things around and uh, kind of come up with a great layout. And obviously, it depends on the property again. You know, if you've got a, if you're fortunate enough to have a three-story terrace house uh, that's massive rooms, then yeah, you're in luck. You can easily fit in en suites, and you kind of get to know uh where to run pipes and so forth and you know waste pipes and and that and sometimes again you're lucky with the the way the beams go and so forth but other times you just become creative and you know um when it's when we're talking about adding on so it's even like on the first floor we often drop into this into the ground floor and the the waste pipe goes through that and out uh, and it's all boxed in. It's all insulated, so you know it's not like you're getting any noises in other rooms and so forth. But yeah, they do work out quite well, and you, you can most often they're not. Yeah, you can do it yourself just by planning ahead, so you don't really need an architect uh, on board for the five or six.
0: Yeah. Well, I am, um, funny that you say about the, the drying space and stuff like that. I mentioned on a on a recent podcast. I um, I seen a property in an auction not far from me, um, and it was a HMO. And clearly, that was it, that had just come in, in in into our area about the uh, the washing space and stuff like that. So the regulations are getting tighter, and um, they were they were trying to, because obviously they'd done a cracking job, cracking HMO. But obviously, the the drying space is too small or something like that. So they probably weren't going to get a license again. So they stuck it in the auction, expecting someone to not be clued up yeah. and just go and buy it. And I think, well, it, it's sold. So. Yeah, it's it's a scary game. Is there any ways that you do like sort of future proof yourself from you know from the councils clamping down on restrictions and stuff like that? Is there anything that you do?
1: So on the on the four on the mini we have, uh, so we always kind of future proof those. Uh, we still follow the five and the six bed regulations. Even you know it's uh, on some areas obviously. Yeah, if there's no Article Four and no selective landlord licensing in place then we still follow the rules anyway uh so it's all you know certified fire doors and following all the fire regulations room sizes and so forth because if that does later if there's selective landlord licensing comes in place then they fall under it um that's so I know uh, for example in the world uh, any mini Mo's if it's in selective landlord licensing HMO rules apply so we uh yeah always follow those the main, the bigger ones and the national regulations. And that's definitely future-proofing yourself. Also, I mean, thinking ahead, uh, you know, with fire. um, So for example, on the six beds, if you've got a two-story property, you can get away with just, you know, the interlinked uh, grade D for the HMOs. But again, we'll opt for grade A fire alarm systems because then that's again, you know, you're future-proofing yourself and it's it's that step uh, above because you really don't want the hassles later on and thinking you know when it comes to uh I've mentioned it again like uh, in some of my vids for meters you've just got to future proof yourself for that so currently that you know it depends again on the council they might accept an electrical meter in a bedroom But if you've got the option and you can move it so it's very expensive but if you've got a basement and you can drop it down like we've done before do it or if there's uh if you can seal it on that bedroom and you're lucky enough the halls on the other side knock through a hatch flip it around so there's access from the hallway you're not disturbing tenants and then you can look at fireboarding it from the bedroom side just future-proof yourself like that and even uh, boilers in a bedroom or get those out if you can move those definitely um we do have like in Liverpool side, we've got some HMOs where it is in a bedroom, but I know on rural side, it's it's not accepted. so you just have to move it. but that kind of stuff, yeah, we do look ahead and, and try to move things where we can. Where we just know it's going to be aggro causing us aggro in the future.
0: Yeah. You're like a, a human life chat, GBT. How did you, how did you become <laughs> so clued up on different areas? Is that obviously just through shared experience of doing so many in areas and stuff like that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. All experience and learning the hard way. You know, sometimes you, you do something and then it comes around and, and bites you and you think, oh, you know, should I, okay, we'll factor that in. And it's, uh, it's cost us money to change it after the fact, which is not great. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely the learning the hard way in most cases and then obviously getting getting to terms with that and looking at the regulations, any updates, uh, because th- that is one thing. You just need to keep revisiting uh, local um, authorities' websites because they're always sneaky as well sometimes and just update things and don't tell anyone. So you've just got to keep regularly checking to make sure you're, uh, you're clued up with their latest uh, sizes and so forth. So, yeah, that's definitely a top tip.
0: Yeah, most definitely, and and where obviously you invest sort of everywhere is the is the where where are you sort of where you're heavily invested somewhere or are you sort of scattered everywhere or where because obviously you, it it blows my mind how much you know about different areas if you look on your page you're speaking about ten different councils and it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ I'm trying to get to grips with the the Wirral and Liverpool and you you're doing you know somewhere down south then north and it's just are you sort of everywhere Have you got a few scattered everywhere or oh well i'm the same with,
1: uh, with yourself main areas liverpool and the Wirral. uh mm. however through my clients i've learned a lot uh, where they're investing in other areas and their councils and and so forth and then through networks i've found out uh, exactly you know what's going on in other councils and so forth so that's why i kind of learned through it
0: yeah but, what are you yeah. what are your thoughts on the 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 Liverpool and the Wirral market is there much of a difference there in terms of the the HMO markets? Obviously, there's no article four here on the Wirral. There is in Liverpool. What what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the Liverpool market compared to the
1: Wirral? Uh, I mean, pre. Pre uh, Article Four coming out, yeah, fantastic. And Liverpool side worked in so many areas, you know, around uh, Enfield and so forth. Mm-hmm. But saying that, since Article Four's come out, there's still other, you know, there's a few pockets, other postcodes, you know, still parts of L4 and L5 and and then L9 that work well as uh, HMOs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, on equally, uh, so if you if you as long as you get the HMO officers on board in the Wirral uh they work fantastically well as well in uh Wallace and birkenhead and again yeah as long as you get the right sort of areas and it's closest to you know even the town center in um you know birkenhead town center mm. and the transport links it, it works yeah I so think... e- equally yeah on the on a, either side they're both they both work
0: we've found yeah yeah most definitely could you see article 4 ever making its way over to willow or
1: well, they I mean the the regulations they've got in place, it's almost worse than article four, so <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think at some point they will be looking at it uh, because it is kind of yeah like a lot of areas can get saturated.
0: yeah, I've always seen it as because the the transport links from the world obviously Wallasey and Birkenhead, where a lot of people invest in HMOs. Um, the transport links, you can get into Liverpool City Centre within five or 10 minutes really on, on the train. Yeah. It's incredible, but I think it puts a lot of in, out-of-town investors off because of the change of postcode. So because we're a CH postcode rather than an L, I think it, it scares a lot of people and a, a complete different start of a postcode. You'd automatically think it's pretty far away from the main postcode in Liverpool. So obviously the main postcode's L1, that's where all the jobs are, etc. But- yeah. And um, like I say, we can get to the city in five or 10 minutes, which is which is incredible. Uh, so, I
1: mean, the tunnel, yeah, through the tunnels even quick, you know, you've got the train, you've got buses, it's fantastic, and and the ferries as well. And, so, yeah, as you say, we're very well connected.
0: Most definitely. So, how long have you been in the game then, did you say, the HMO game? Uh,
1: 2018, yeah, started with the first one. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, just been blitzing them. I think, actually, during COVID was probably our busiest time uh, because we're all key workers as well if you know when we're doing building work and so forth so yeah we were just churning them out
0: yeah and worked really and is, well is, is this you full time now are you fully investing in property full time or uh, i am yes and also
1: mentoring clients as well so i uh, most of my clients as i mentioned before are internationals so based in singapore australia hong kong And they're always interested in the UK. So I'm now, you know, uh, any friends or family and anyone else in those countries that are interested in investing in the UK, I'm mentoring them. So I've got a few Singaporeans and Australians on board at the moment. So yeah, it's exciting.
0: Most definitely. And I know you've got a bit of an accent. Is that South African or...
1: South African, that's right. Yeah, my parents are Scousers originally, so yeah, <laughs> that's where my roots are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, so where did the journey sort of start for you then, Andrew? Where was the where did the journey start? How did you come? How did you realise about property and what it can do for you?
1: Well, I was actually in Australia. So, yeah, long story short, left South Africa two thousand and two, came to Liverpool for about almost ten years, and then I went to Australia on a working holiday visa and. I was set to you know live out there indefinitely and then i actually did some education uh out there through a uk company that was teaching about investing in the uk and wow. you know so I've, at that time i knew liverpool was a great spot uh, so i completed that and it was actually uh, my mentor that kind of dropped the seed to you know tell me you know what about sourcing uh, properties in, in liverpool so yeah that's a few years later then i returned to Liverpool and opened my sourcing company and yeah that's where I've just gone from strength to strength and done so many HMOs and like I said because they're internationals they've been wanting the HMOs for the higher yields yeah. so I've been churning those out so I've, I've unfortunately uh, been growing my own portfolio as well along the way which is yeah the key yeah. thing so i sticking to it
0: yeah most definitely and the investors you had on board are these people that have just grew into your network or are these people that you've knew from a past life or
1: I uh, grew. So as I was uh, doing the sourcing, it's uh, come naturally and through the property education and all my networks, uh, yeah, they've come, come to me in word of mouth. So it's really
0: good. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. What you've done is is incredible. So what are some of your goals for this year then? Are you looking to just purchase more in, in Liverpool and Wirral and, and up and down the country, I imagine?
1: Uh, More so, I do prefer Liverpool and and the world. And, uh, yeah, even though I've got myself, I've got an agent uh, or agents looking after the properties, it's, yeah, I mean, they don't have to be close. But, uh, yeah, even if I'm saying that, if I find a a great deal anywhere else in the country, I'll still go for it. But, yeah, definitely looking to grow the portfolio.
0: Yeah. Do you do much shorter? Is it... it just the HMOs you do. You are strictly just HMOs, aren't you? Don't do many single lets or anything like that, really.
1: Oh no, do a mix. Yeah, so uh, do buy-to-lets, HMOs, mixed-use properties. Uh, we just finished a massive uh, um, whole kind of row of mixed-use properties in Brighton Street in in Wallasey. Oh. Uh, we actually got planning permission to change all the bottom shops into apartments, and that was yeah fantastic.
0: Uh, I think I know those. the exact one you're talking about in Brighton Street. Oh yes, yeah. I I I live. Li- I'm from Wollasey. so I, I that's where I live. Um, okay. So I'm always up and down here walking. So I know. I know. It well, I think I know the exact uh, project you're talking about. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, three in a row. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. So, what what sort of do you, so you do? Sort of commercial conversions and stuff like that. What what are your favourite sorts of HMO? Is it your standard four bed, say, terrace house, or do you like a commercial conversion? What What's your favourite to do?
1: The large terrace houses. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, where it's probably the three, three floors are just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. We've done so many in, um, in Liverpool, especially, but a couple of the the bigger ones are also in Birkenhead, uh, the large, yeah. yeah. Semi-detached properties, which, yeah, three floors. It's just perfect. They've got massive rooms, which you can add easily add on suites and you've got so much play to, to move around and, and rejig the layout. Yeah. Really good.
0: They are definitely the best. So the one in Brighton Street, how many rooms was that?
1: Uh, so that's uh, that's actually all apartments, and um, we've got ten apartments in that one. Ten uh, if I'm a... Just trying to think now. No, sorry, nine altogether. How was that? Do... Yeah, nine.
0: <laughs> how was that? For... I'm trying to I'm trying to think of. I know that exact one you're talking about. Is that Brighton Street? Brighton Street. Is Light it right from... Right on the prom? Is it right on the promenade or not? Because I think I might be getting
1: mixed up. Uh, no, it's back. I'm trying to think. There's a heater pool opposite. because It's got all solar panels on there. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Yeah, that. yeah amazing, incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. What What are some of the ones you're doing in Liverpool? Then, what is the What was? Would you say the biggest project you've done is? Uh,
1: two semi-detached properties, and um, was yeah. So it was. It's basically one property, but one half of it is a, a six-bed HMO, and the other half is service accommodation. And that's in L5, so walking distance to Liverpool's, um, you know, Anfield. So the service accommodation part is just brilliant. And the the agent we've got uh, in place there, they've got contractors on board. So if there's no tourism, you know, drops or anything, they've got contractors that move in and pretty much renew on a, on a three-week basis. So it's perfect for clients. There. But, yeah, they were massive. They were actually uh, sub-basements and three floors above. Absolutely massive. Really
0: good. Are they are they your sort of your favorite projects to do? Would you say the development uh, is something like that? Are they your favorite ones? Or
1: they are yeah, because it's, it's it you know it takes um, I'd say if, uh, three to four months on average. Some you know have gone to six months, but yeah, it's really great watching the transformation. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely love that.
0: Most definitely, uh, and it's crazy. With um, I'm constantly driving past Anfield, obviously Liverpool Stadium, and. No matter what day it is, whether a match day on or not, there's constantly a crowd of people there. So <laughs> I, imagine, I, know. I imagine the service accommodation do do a cracker and do a cracker in L5. Um, yeah, so that,
1: that's another uh, thing that I focused on. You know, it's HMOs and service accommodation, and I've got quite a lot of clients who have got service accommodation properties like right around Enfield and yeah, always full. Uh, when I say full, the, the agent said, because uh, I was asking her when I was doing some c- content on it, uh, 70% occupancy minimum, you know, 70% and above. So it's fantastic returns.
0: Have you, have you outsourced all the management to that? It sounds like you have. you you got it managed and stuff like that. Yeah, so I
1: don't uh, touch any of the letting side. Uh, yeah, that's outsource all of that <laughs> to be honest I, I could think of nothing worse i,
0: <laughs>
1: it's a I don't know. Know. well it's a different uh, business isn't it you, you oh, know, you,
0: that's uh, what i was going to say then i don't blame you at all if, you, if, you, if you've got a good manager on board it's happy days but i managed i we done one in oxton um and to be honest i don't even know it was 2020 so i don't know even though there was managers about then okay. um, and it was it was oh god, it was a headache. It was an absolute headache. It was a it was a it was a full on it's a full on business, isn't it? Uh um, it is. Yeah. It's accommodation. It's completely different to your to your single let. But um I think it's, it can be advertised by by trainers sometimes as like a as like a a starting strategy and stuff like that. And it, it probably can be, but for me it was tough. So tough. I got out of it, I just put it back to a single let I thought I'm not doing that, never want to do that again. Obviously Yeah, it, it's it's it's
1: almost like running a hotel, isn't it? exactly exactly yeah. you've got to be there 24 7 basically or available exactly.
0: um so what, what are your plans for this year then or are you you just plan on growing your your sourcing business and stuff like that
1: yeah i mean getting more mentees on board uh growing that side of it and then myself expanding the um portfolio and yeah if any um i'm always on the hunt anyway for the sourcing side for clients so if, if any HMOs or any other um, properties buy to lets and mixed use as well, I, I do I really like mixed use myself and clients uh, because again it's it's one one property and it's multiple income streams out of one property, so it's it's kind of like an HMO and some uh, some in fact are shop on the bottom and an HMO on top. You can get that set up, which is even better. Again,
0: yeah, the mixed use are are a great great way and. You can you can pick up some decent deals, can't you? I don't know. I seen a couple in C Is it L twenty one? I think or L. I think it's yeah L
1: twenty one C fourth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's some crackers there, um, absolute crackers, and th- th- there can be a lot of money in them, most definitely. So with your sourcing side, then is it a sort of you've got your sourcing, you do the man, do you do the project management and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, do yeah offer that on top. So uh, yeah, and then I'm basically, I mean, I say to clients more is there at least once a week checking on things and always take photos and videos for them and you know, send a PDF and so forth, or even do live walkarounds for some, but you know, it's, I always end up two or three times because there's other, other projects going on. So I'm always uh, a couple of times a week, which is fantastic. And it's always, yeah, I just love seeing the transformation. And it's, it's mind blowing on some things what you can achieve uh,
0: and transform it. Most definitely. And I I imagine, do you have a few build teams that you work with? And you've got quite a lot on it. Obviously you can't work with just the one. So do you have a few build teams you work Uh, with? A couple. Yeah.
1: And that's, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say it's a top tip or anything, but it's for some people don't get, uh, you know, my advice is don't get too despondent or anything. If your build team's not up to scratch, because it takes a lot of, a lot of, Build teams to go through to find the right ones. Yeah, I've been through a few myself.
0: Would you would so. you say you've got your t- your team sort of knuckled down now in terms of obviously it's it, it's every whether it's a trade or conveyancer or mortgage advisor, it's tough to find um, a really good one in in each in each part. It is. Yeah. I'm still, I, I, I luckily I've found quite a good conveyancer now who I'm using, but it took me, you know, a, a, quite a few projects to get that right one. Um, and builders, builders are so hard, so hard. How, how, how have you found it? Like, obviously you've, you've got a good build team now. How did you find sort of getting a good builder? Because there's no way around it. You get a builder in and to put it bluntly, they're either shit or they're good. And if the crap, You've paid for it. It's done. You've just got to you just got to live with it, haven't you? So how how did you find finding a good builder?
1: Uh, I was uh, going through a lot of uh, you know learning the hard way, and it is tough because sometimes you do find a very good builder, but then again, you know it starts off well, and then sometimes the cracks show later on, and that could be because they get too busy. So not necessarily that they're. Qualities dropped or anything, but they get too busy themselves and they take too much on and then it starts sliding. And, yeah, trying to manage that is, yeah, that's where it gets really stressful. Uh, but, yeah, for clients anyway, I would always, uh, from the sourcing side, I learned the hard way as well. I'd made sure any invoicing or anything from the builders would come through myself. So I would pre-check it before going out to clients on that side. So at least I'm the, you know, goes through myself. And then I know, and obviously, when they get in photos and, and weekly updates from myself, they can see, okay, that work has been done. And then you, we kind of pay pay the builder in um, yeah, tranches, you know?
0: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, yeah,
1: sections, yeah.
0: Most definitely. And do you manage individual trades or do you kind of have? Oh, no,
1: that's, the, that's the good thing. Yeah, so I deal with the main builder and then they deal with all the other trades because yeah, that's makes it easier again, especially when you've got a few projects on in the go, you can't be juggling that. It's just way too much to. Yeah. Going, it's, yeah. T-
0: it's tough. It's tough to manage on one project alone. If you've got a few going on at a time, I can't imagine how stressful it yeah. must be. Um, to manage individual trades. It's it's like I say, it's a tough job just on one, trying to make
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, I've done it on a few of my own properties and yeah, still, it's a total nightmare. And then at some point, you know, if you are fortunate enough that you're there, well, you've got the time because it's time consuming working yeah. on your own properties. But if you've got the skills as well, you know, I've come on a few of mine and just like, right, get off, get out. <laughs> I'll do it myself <laughs> and I have done it myself but you know it's at the cost of your time and uh you know resources as well but
0: yeah, yeah. for your own projects then how do you tend to do much direct to vendor you do you go to auctions where do you sort of source your properties uh through relationships that I've
1: bought uh built up so with agents especially I've got a couple of very good agents which uh, uh often and they'll give me first uh first refusal on properties so uh if it's yes yeah, I that I like myself, that's perfect. But, you know, often I'm looking for clients uh, and then, yeah, get a few days grace to kind of get some interest. And if not, then, you know, it goes to market. But that's the main main way. And uh, yeah, but through the network as well, I've got other uh, landlords that I know of, uh, portfolio landlords, when they're ready to sell, they'll offer up properties and so forth, which is great.
0: Yeah. And how did, how did you build up a sort of relationship with agents? Because it can be tough. How, how did you sort of build your... Reputation up with agencies, just following through on deals when you say you're going to buy and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, pretty much, and also touching base with them as as often as as possible, and even going into their office. And you know, um, I go for the smaller independent agencies. That's where you can build the the relationships much easier. It's when you're going to the big big ones and they're part of a chain, it's not so hard, not so easy. Sorry, you know to to do it that way because they, you know, sometimes most of the staff in there are basically just working for them. It's not their actual agency themselves. You need to try and get to the the head person. But yeah, that can be pretty difficult when it's a bigger agency. And yeah.
0: That, that's a great tip. And you find with the bigger agencies like your Connells, your, your Sweatnams and stuff like that, they kind of have, all the state agencies do, but they kind of have a higher turnover of staff. There's, it's hard to build relationships when people are leaving yeah. five minutes. And I think as well with the with the smaller independent agencies that have been around for a while, um, usually they have, say they've been open 30, 40, 50 years and it's a it's a family business. They tend to have ones that they done the lettings on and then you know the landlord wants to get out and then that's where you can create a deal with someone that's yeah. not going to go on market and the landlord just wants out, wants a quick sale and that's where they come to the likes of yourself who's going to follow through on the deal.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it as well. If you can prove that you're fast and uh move through on the deal quick and you're always checking in on, you know, making sure the deal's going going through, then uh yeah, that's when you're likely to get more repeat business. I mean, part of that, that's part of the sourcing anyway. I always follow up with conveyancing. So I like uh, more often than not, I do recommend certain solicitors with my clients because then I know I've already got the relationship with those conveyances. So they don't mind me contacting them. Whereas if a client comes to me and they've got their own conveyance so it's quite it's very difficult sometimes they won't even acknowledge you so it's quite difficult to manage uh or check up on things you know
0: yeah yeah because they're not yeah that, that's that's a great tip as well if, if anyone is sourcing to to try and build it again it's tough if you're not if you're not buying properties and you're starting off um trying to build the relationship with a conveyancer because conveyances are whether people like it or not they are very very busy aren't they yeah. I know a lot of people think they do nothing, but I th- I think I've kind of seen it firsthand. They they are busy and they have a lot on. So when you've got someone who's sort of pecking the head of your like, but making no purchases, they 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 kind of yeah, you need to you need to same like a state agent, you need to prove to them, don't they, you that you are what you say you are, you do what you say yeah. you're gonna do when you purchase property. Um
1: and it might not always be them as well, They're that conveyance. So it could be the other side, which we exactly. found, you know. So it's 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 two way, and it could be the other side that's delaying things. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. Most definitely. So, where are some other places that you invest in? So, you've got Liverpool, the world, where, do you do much down south? or uh, No, not. Uh, if, if deals come up,
1: yes, for clients and that, uh, but myself, uh, I haven't. Um, but yeah, if they do come up, because I've got uh, other contacts uh, throughout the country and other agents, you know, if they, they reach out, if they haven't, if they come up with a property that they haven't sold or it's a cracking deal, they they will offer, reach out and offer it. So yeah, when as and when it comes up.
0: I think from only starting sort of HMOs in 2018, which again now is, <laughs> is it five, six years ago? Or is it is a while ago? But what you've learned is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how you retain all that information to be honest. <laughs> well, I think anyone should should go and look at your social media and, like I say, oh, thanks very much. <laughs> your 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 social media is very very, very very educational. I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm always confident I'm always engaging because it's 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 helpful to me for someone who's on the start of the sort of HMO journey. Uh, yeah. it's a lot to take on. I think a lot of people just think it's a case of getting a house. You know changing the front room downstairs the reception room into a bedroom whacking it on yeah. there's much more than that and there can be some very scary horror stories like the one i mentioned with the the auction property where you know someone's probably gone into that and just bought that now they're stuck with a hmo they can't even get a license for um
1: that's it and it's going to cost them money to re to change it again and and as you said if the if the minimum drawing spaces aren't there if they do expand that ensuite and make it compliant then the rest of the room might not be compliant so then you're snookered
0: yeah it's, it's, it's exactly, exactly. Yeah. and then in the end you would have been better just buying a normal house and developing it yourself yeah absolutely yeah but did you buy much um because obviously you've got some parts of it um liverpool of a court article four do you buy many that are sort of Prehistoric HMOs, if you like, that are currently HMOs, but very not meeting regulation. Do you, you buy stuff like that, or do you not tend to buy it? With, with the grandfather rights and stuff like that?
1: I tend to stay away from them, uh, but it, we do. Yeah, I'll go in and view it, but I'm, I'm quite often reluctant to touch uh, ones that are, you know, ready-made ones uh, if they're trying to, yeah, offload it because it's more yeah. often than not a reason behind it <laughs> yeah. and you can tell certain things straight away where it's going to cost you money to to put it right yeah as well uh many of the many properties fall over on the fire doors which can be quite you know, really expensive yeah. to fix
0: yeah yeah my uh the builder we use he's literally he's, he's liverpool in the world and he's um he's chock-a-block at the moment just doing fire doors literally yeah. a lot of them aren't meeting, meeting regs um but
1: well, yeah. on on fire doors as well, it's it, especially in the world you've got to get them certified. So that you need to get them certified. But the thing around that, which you know you need a factor in as well, is. If the property is vacant, so the doors get fitted, they all close beautifully. But if it's sitting there and it's getting moist inside, then they start expanding, and so you know by the time you get it surveyed, it might not close properly. So you've got all those things to contend with. So it's almost you've got to time the survey correctly, or when the officers come in and certify things, and always my top tip as well, always make sure a window is open in the room because that'll stop the door from closing as it should obviously it creates a vacuum if the window's not open and it'll stop it and you'll probably get you know it'll it'll fail so it's uh it's yeah quite a, a ball like trying to get some of these passed
0: so, yeah. yeah it's a tough game isn't it it is a tough game to be and like you say it's not just buy a house and then stick a few on sweets in there's all things like that like I again, I haven't done a HMO yet, but I can imagine I could probably ask you a few more intelligent questions on HMOs that you you probably shine shine yeah. at. Because, um, <laughs> right now, I've not done one, so I don't know what's there, what's not, what's to do. And um,
1: no worries, reach out anytime.
0: Yeah, that's it, most definitely. But like I say, if anyone is looking to connect, your again, your profile is spot on. It's very, very, very educational. If anyone is looking to connect, maybe get mentored or just learn, where's the best place to find you, Andrew?
1: Uh, so, yeah, uh, reach out on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and then, uh, yeah, website as well, Inventors Properties. Um, yeah, it's easy. Should be easy to find me anyway, social media. Uh,
0: well, I'll put all the um, the details of your social media, your website, and stuff like that, in the show notes if anyone is looking to connect. But I can't stress enough, again, how how educational you're. Um, there's not many people doing it like that, I don't think. Um, a lot of people are doing videos, but yours are straight to the point educational and the nitty-gritty of it and and, and what it what it actually is um so yeah, thank for that.
1: <laughs> it's it's yeah it's taken me a while to you know formulate those but it's uh, yeah that's consistency and practice <laughs> getting the videos cor- correct and, and so forth yeah
0: most yeah. definitely well again thank you for coming on it's been a pleasure and, and I'm sure people will get a lot of value out of it.
1: Yeah thanks very much Killum yeah appreciate no it
0: no problem all the best Andrew
1: all right you too